Highway 66 is the main migrant road. 66 is the path of a people in flight. 66 is the mother road, the road of flight. John Steinbeck, The Grapes of Wrath. Alternatively, the highway is alive tonight, but nobody's kidding nobody about where it goes. I'm sitting down here in the campfire light with the ghost of old Tom Joad. Bruce Springsteen, The Ghost of Tom Joad. Everybody and welcome to this week's edition of the America of America podcast. As always, I'm Will Milam and I'm happy to be back. First of all, apologies to anybody who checked in on the feed last week and saw that there was no episode. I did plan to put out an episode. I did research on it and that's the research turned into what today's episode is, but I was actually moving cities. Uh, I am currently located in Tulsa, Oklahoma, so I was moving some of my things from Oklahoma City to Tulsa, and that just took up a lot more time last weekend than I really was expecting it to, so I was unable to actually nail down a time to sit down and record the podcast. But I hope you forgive me because I am really excited to talk about Route 66 today, which of course is you know, one of the main physical remnants of uh, an earlier time in Oklahoma and has a very Checkered and storied history. It's actually a very good and happy history in a lot of ways. I know the the cold open was you know sad because it focused on um, the grapes of wrath and the Oki migration, but but Route sixty six also has a very happy history and also a really good Renaissance story. So I'm I'm excited to jump into it. Which let's go ahead and do that right now. So United States Highway sixty six, otherwise known as the Main Street of America or the Will Rogers Highway, or the Mother Road, existed for a period of time in the 20th century, but it really has existed long before and long after its actual designation as U.S. Highway 66. Originally, in about 1857, so pre-Civil War, Lieutenant Edward Fitzgerald Beale was set to plan a wagon road along the 35th parallel to make it easier for people going west to do so. Because if you could imagine, the wagon roads going west in the mid-1850s were probably not up to snuff. Now, many of these original wagon roads would make their ways into becoming different highway routes through states like Missouri, Illinois, and even Oklahoma, and it was these wagon routes that would eventually become the roads and would be eventually become what would come to be known as Route 66. In Oklahoma, for instance, one of these original routes was, before it was Route 66, was called the Postal Highway, and it connected Oklahoma City to Amarillo, which is still a popular route even though now it's really replaced by I-40, which is a common theme that we'll get to, the people still take if they're going out west or if they're going to, say, Colorado from Oklahoma. Though these older roads would become U.S. Highway 66, the father of U.S. Highway 66, at least as far as Oklahoma goes, was a guy named Cyrus Avery. 
uh, who maybe you've heard of, who maybe you haven't, but you really should, who's a very big player in uh, Oklahoma infrastructure history, which is a lot more important than I think a lot of us would think. So Cyrus Avery was born in Stevensville, Pennsylvania in the year 1871, went to college, got married, and ended up moving to the new city of Oklahoma City to become an insurance agent. Soon after this, Avery moved on his way up in the world, as many oilmen did at those in those days, and decided to become an oilman, moving to Veneta, Oklahoma, and which was in Indian Territory at the time, and setting up one of the major oil and gas companies of the Northeast. Like all good oilmen, Avery soon after bought a farm near Tulsa in the year 1908, and got to work doing his two real passions, one, farming, and two, roads. Cyrus Avery was really, really, really into roads, and in the early 1920s would join the Good Roads Movement, which was an advocacy organization for better roads in the United States. And this was, of course, not only to develop good roads, but to specifically help Tulsa and Oklahoma in general. In 1923, Avery was appointed to the Oklahoma State Highway Commission, and wasn't there for long because in 1925, he was bumped up to the Joint Board of Interstate Highways under the United States Department of Agriculture. And it was in that position that he lobbied the American Association of State Highway Officials to build a large interstate highway that would go from Chicago to Los Angeles, which would eventually become Route 66. And in April 30th, 1926, a Chicago to Los Angeles route was designated as Route 66 as one of the original U.S. highways. Now, it's important to note here, because this will become an important detail, that though the highway was designated in 1926, it was not actually completely paved until 1938, which has symbolic and tragic consequences. Because the highway was not completely paved, Avery would establish the Highway 66 Association to help as an advocacy group to get Highway 66 paid, paved. excuse me. And they would put on public events to try to raise support. And one of these events is very interesting because it was the Bunyan Derby, which was a foot race from Los Angeles to New York City. Quick side note. At this time, ultramarathons were actually more popular at this time than any time up until the point right now. Uh, and I think they peaked in popularity actually after the beginning of the recession. Uh, the Bunyan Derby was not after the recession. It was before. But uh, it's always been an interesting, um, an interesting notion that ultra running or long distance running always becomes popular right after Mass tragedies happened in the United States. Um, things like the Great Depression or 9-11. Trail running and ultra running suddenly become more popular, but that's neither here nor there. I just wanted to throw that in there. Side note number two, Will Rogers famously volunteered to meet the runners along the way. And as you know, that's awesome because Will Rogers was awesome. And what's more, the race was actually won by a Cherokee Oklahoman named Andy Payne, who won just under what would be $400,000 in 2020s dollars. So not only did this man do a feat worthy of bragging rights anywhere he goes for the rest of eternity, but he actually got a pretty good paycheck out of it, especially for being a professional athlete in the 1920s. But of course, soon after this came the recession, 
and soon after the recession came the Dust Bowl. The early 30s where we saw the trampling of the vintage where the grapes of wrath are stored. And this is where it's important to remember that most of the, not most, but a lot of Highway 66, especially out west, is not paved at this point. So not only are there vagabonds from Oklahoma, Arkansas, Texas, and Kansas going west along this road, but a lot of times they're taking their all of their livelihoods and going along this dirt highway. Parts of the road, parts of the highway in art in Arizona, excuse me, were so dangerous that locals had to be hired to drive through those sections, and those areas would become known as Bloody 66. And it is these memories that really set in stone the tragic history of Route 66, which would be immortalized, obviously, in Steinbeck's The Grapes of Wrath and in songs like The Ghost of Tom Jode, which I quoted in the cold open. Now, later on, the road would pick back up in popularity after the Okies in World War II as people would take the road out west to do the nuclear testing that was going on out west. Obviously, there was a big military intelligence presence out in the western United States because there's a lot of open land and you can do a lot of stuff out there. And this began kind of that re-emergence of Route 66 in the 1940s. And after the war, it became the main road for vacationers who went to Los Angeles. And it was popular because it would take you through the Painted Desert and also very near the Grand Canyon, which are obviously two very, very popular Western United States tourist attractions, uh, natural tourist attractions. And here you began to see the commoditization of Route 66 uh, as Incomes increased in the U.S., vacation vacations began to increase, and people began to go out west, and they had a little bit of money to spend. You saw uh, roadside attractions popping up, so things like TP motels, robber hideouts that weren't actually there, and I thought this was really fun in my research, but that if you're from Oklahoma or Texas and you know that in Amarillo there's that 72-ounce steak where if you if you eat a 72-ounce steak and all the sides, you get the steak for free. Apparently, this actually started as a tourist attraction for uh, for the vacationers going going down Route 66. Man, I really hope that's I really hope that's true. I would I would love to go do that someday if I can ever work up the appetite. And also, so on that note, Route 66 inspired the fast food industry. Is you know you have a road where a lot of tourists are going down. They don't have a lot of time to stop and eat. The market's there for kinds of food that can be served very quickly, and the rest is history. But now that we've seen the peak of Route 66, unfortunately, we now have to talk about the decline of Route 66, because when things are at their apex, there is nothing but decline. So as Route 66 grew and cars became more common and sophisticated, the highway was constantly changing routes and was constantly being updated as obviously it needed to carry more visitors. So in Oklahoma, for instance, 66 was first bypassed in 1953 with the creation of a Turner Turnpike, which would be this modern mega fast highway that would take people from Tulsa to Oklahoma City and back. Soon after that, there would be the creation of the Will Rogers Turnpike that would connect Tulsa to Joplin, Missouri. Now, both of these turnpikes are now part of I-44, and if you drive from Oklahoma City to Tulsa, like I do on a regular basis, 
This is largely the highway that you're taking. And these modern highways began to divert traffic away from Route 66 to, to these more modern highways. So not too long after these first introductions of modern highway building in Oklahoma, Interstate 40 really began to take over Route 66 as it was the major east-west highway that would go through Oklahoma. And by 1986, Route 66 was decertified and the remnants were replaced by highways in other parts of the country by, say, like I-55 and in Oklahoma, I-44 and I-40. And the decline was very sad. And if you've driven through a lot of Oklahoma, you'll sometimes see the old Route 66 road in really bad condition. It's not really being driven on anymore. And it's it's almost like a ruin. And it also created a kind of a graveyard of old uh, gas stations, um, roadside diners, roadside attractions that really had their heyday with the with the heyday of Route 66, and there's just not much market for them anymore because just no one drives on that road. That is true, but there's also been a large renaissance in Route 66. So here in Tulsa, where I am, there are sections of Route 66 or of older Route 66 that run through uh, through the city, and the there's a very popular place to set up old diner type joints or, or novelty shops. And they're very, very proud to claim that they are on old route 66. And there's tons of photos of the old ways in these shops and diners. Uh, I know that in, in Clinton, Oklahoma, there's even a route 66 museum. There's probably several around, uh, the preservation of this stretch of highway in Oklahoma is incredible because Route 66 is an incredible, incredibly important element of 20th century Oklahoma culture. Uh, Route 66 being one of the first major highways that took people, you know, from Chicago to Los Angeles, uh, ran all through the, from east to west Oklahoma, and the only other state along the way where there was more actual miles of Route 66 was in New Mexico, I'm pretty sure. So preserving this cultural landmark is not only useful as a navigatory tool, but also useful as a cultural tool. And a good example of this was what I actually did today. I'm recording this on Sunday, November 21st. And this morning in Tulsa, I ran the Williams Route 66 marathon. So if you're you're paying attention, you can see where I got the idea for this podcast episode. But it's difficult to explain just the amount of uh, cultural inheritance that we garner from the memory of U.S. Highway 66 and all of its glory and all of its travesty. I think I meant to say tragedy, sorry. And it's also fun because it's sometimes referred to as the Will Rogers Highway, which if you know anything about this podcast, we are very pro Will Rogers here. And with that, I think I'm going to leave this 30,000 feet overview of Route 66. There's quite a view of, uh, it's quite a few subplots that we could probably go down, but I think that this is a good, a good entry level introduction for anybody who's too young to remember what this road was really like. This includes myself, of course, and I really had a good time, um, researching this podcast and I really had a good time this morning trying to relive Andy Payne's legacy of running a foot race 
down Route 66. Now, Mr. Payne made a lot more money out of it, and he also ran a lot farther. So just a little bit reliving, but not not too much, of course. But anyway, uh, again, um, I'm always available at ChautauquaReview at gmail.com for any questions, concerns, or comments. Uh, I always welcome feedback, and I will hopefully have another episode out next week. So I hope to see you then. And with that, I'm Will Milam. This is the America of America podcast, and I'll see you all next week. Thanks for listening.